Through Their Mother's Eyes is a series of conversations with mothers who share their hearts and experiences raising black sons who because of the color of their skin are often feared, hated, and not valued as human beings. Well, hello and welcome to Through Their Mother's Eyes. It's me, Florence. Carla is with me, but she is in the background making sure I don't get myself into any trouble. And I have with me this evening, Gilene Saint-Cyr Schneider, who happens to be my cousin, not the same cousin I spoke with the last time, but a different cousin because I have about 5,552 <laughs> cousins. So Gilene is, I have to say, my, she, when I was growing up, she was like the, the one I wanted to be. She had at one point this Afro and she looked so cool with her Afro and her bell bottoms. And she just, and then I just always pictured her being this rebel and, you know, the fist up and everything. And which is interesting because Gilene is from <laughs> Canada. She was born and raised in Canada. And I'm going to let you, Gilene, say hello to everybody and give you a chance to introduce yourself the way you want to be introduced instead of me telling Afro stories about you. So Gilene, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Florence. I appreciate it. Uh, just one correction. I was not born in Canada. I was born in Haiti. Oh, I knew that. You know what's yes. terrible about this whole podcast series? Yeah is that whenever I am wrong about something, it specifically has to do with my family. But we can talk about that later. So I forgot, you were born, you, a bunch of you guys were born in Haiti. Okay. Yes. Ed. Yes. Uh, but it, you know, it doesn't really matter. But we, my life was intertwined with the U.S. Because um, the first time that we emigrated, it was to Boston. And we were there for a few years and then ended up in Canada. And then I ended up in the US again, years later with my job. So spent a lot of time in the US and um, got married there. So I have three adult children who are now actually next week, 26, um, 20, 22 and 20 believe it or not. <laughs> What's hard to believe is that you managed to have three children during the same week. Yeah. Three without years. trying it, without trying. Just happened yeah. that way. Just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep telling people that it's sort of like around New Year's, we're probably drunk. That's my story and I'm sticking. To and you're sticking to it. And the thing is that at some point during this interview, we're going to be talking about your, your very strong faith and uh, the fact that it's not ceremonial wine that you and their father <laughs> were drunk on. So <laughs> no. we'll, uh, we'll get there. But just so everybody knows, my cousin is not always drunk. She just was drunk <laughs> three times in her life and happened right. to bring forth 
three amazingly beautiful children, one of whom is my godson. He's the one who's going to be 20 next year, next week. Oh. Yes. Woo. So, all right. Thank you, Gilen, for that introduction. Is there... Well, as we go along, we'll, we'll fill in the, the pieces. We'll fill in the blanks. We'll learn more about you. But you know, and, and I want to thank you for, for listening to previous episodes of the podcast and also for sharing, which is great. So anybody who's listening now to this episode, don't hesitate to share and to like and to subscribe and to do all of those things because we want to get the word out and reach as many people as we will reach. So thank you for that, Jilen, for your support. I wanted to, to start because you know what this, what this podcast, the, the whole series is all about. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you the same question that I've been asking the other moms we've been talking with about what your, the one word you would use if you were asked to describe how you feel about all of the latest things that have been coming out about racial injustice, inequality, and social justice. If you had one word, what would that be? Frustrated. Okay care to share? So um, when George Floyd died um, so horrific, horrifically, I, um, it, was, it was something that really shocked, um, shocked me. And my first reaction was anger. But being a person of faith, I had to go a little deeper than just anger. Because anger, even though it's, it's not a sin to be angry, but to act on your anger becomes a sin. So I had to really get into prayer about what do I do with this and what can I do? So I was prompted to go like everybody else and post these hateful, you know, in your face kind of posts on Facebook. And if you know me, you know that I normally don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll post funny things mostly and things to make people think, but not, not really stuff to rile people up. Right. Not what we see so much of these days. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over. And, and, uh, and when I was tempted um, out of my anger, I felt the Lord telling me, no, don't do it. And, um, but he wanted me to teach. He wanted me to, sh to tell stories because there's a lot of people that are blinded, that don't know what's going on, that are defensive and feel like um, they have something to say, but they're saying it through posts that are planted and they're saying it through political posts that are divisive and they're really not telling their story. And I'm seeing it more and more today that everybody, you know, even when it is a story, at the end they say, well, I copied this off somebody else's post, you know? And it's like, but you don't even know what that person meant when they wrote it. You're just 
flashing it on just because you agree with one or two things. So right now my frustration comes from seeing the blind defensiveness and seeing some people actually opening their eyes and getting into the discussion, but seeing so many more who are just so blinded that you can't even talk to them. And that frustrates me because it is in essence part of the systemic problem. You know, in, in, it shows up in so many ways. If you have somebody who doesn't understand this and who's a boss somewhere, who's a, you know, has a team, that person just continues the implicit bias, the, um, the other bias that they have from growing up and thinking certain things. Yeah, the untrue, the yeah. unconscious bias. Yeah. And the conscious bias is, I think that this is what you're saying and what you're representing. So you don't have a voice. And so they continue that. And as a matter of fact, I don't really post on LinkedIn um, other than business, but I found myself today because two people who own businesses who were business people were writing such ridiculous statements, you know, Oh, well, if blacks would just help themselves, you know, those kind of things. And I remember, you know, I just posted, you know, if you're a boss on a team, I really feel sorry for the people of color on your team. Were these people you knew? No. Or people you, yeah, <laughs> you just saw it on? No, and, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, LinkedIn and, yeah. and social media, that social media, LinkedIn, all of those things, those are out there so that you can be out there and people who don't know yeah. you can see and get. So the fact that you're responding to somebody, that's why they're, you know, that's yeah. why they're there. And I really responded because a gentleman of color had made a comment on us on a, a post. And this guy actually just assumed and concluded that he probably has a problem which is why he's responding that way. And as a problem, he, you know, with, with race, something happened to him. So, you know, this is why he's like the whole, the whole same narrative. There's not really a problem. It's just these people with chips on their shoulders. Right. So he's, yeah. Right. Yep. And, and this is why, uh, that was one of the reasons why I responded. So let I, me, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Let me, you, you mentioned the, you mentioned that, that God had led you to, to teach, right? So and you also mentioned that people, you know, there are these, these opinions and people just, people just going out there and saying things. And, and I have, and I'm sure you have as well, seen it from every side. So there are the people who are, you know, just, you know, whether they're really angry or hurt, or in a lot of cases, I believe these are people who, who aren't really looking to help 
improve things, they're actually looking to throw grease on the fire so that black people and the people who support black people can be blamed for things. So when, when you see that, when you see that from, from both sides of the, the issue for whatever reason, what do you think? And just one thing, what is one thing that you think would help with people on such opposite sides? I think that um, a personal um, accounting, accountability is what would help. And this is why I encourage people of color not to respond in the way that, um, that they're being attacked but more to respond in a more human way, you mm-hmm. know? And in more of a way that um, explains why you feel the way you feel. Hey everyone, sorry about that. We just had a technical difficulty. So we're gonna get back into the conversation with Gilen and we're gonna ask, I'm just gonna ask you Gilen, you were talking about the importance of people of color not reacting in anger or with their emotions when people say things or when they see things, but rather responding. So if you could get back into, I think where you were going with it was how they should respond and with what. So if you could get back into that, that would be great. Yeah. So what I mean respond is respond to those that are near you. So a lot of people feel like they have to tell the world the world won't change. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, Deal with who is near you. You know, like for me, I felt like God was telling me the people, the friends, the Christians um, that I knew for years that are in my sphere on Facebook, uh, the Christians that I know here where I am, the coworkers, all these people, Um, they're the ones that I need to talk to, you know, to explain my side of the story. So we had, um, even at church, we had a mentor circle last Saturday and we were in smaller groups and the topic was racial injustice. And it ended up really with people asking me questions, which was fine because Sometimes, especially when you're, and and I was talking to them about this, um, the most powerful posts that I saw, and I told you that I felt like God was telling me to post stories. So I posted people's stories that were raw, that were, you know, real and from their heart. And basically, I researched those stories. I went into those people's profiles to make sure it was a real profile (laughs) and it was a real story before I posted it because I was that invested. You know, I didn't want it to be just somebody who just wanted to, you know, make something up. Yeah. And most people post, like you were saying, they share these things and they don't know who. Yeah. And they don't know where it's coming from and they don't know anything. The most powerful one was one from a gentleman who was, he's from a a town that was, it looked like to be very rural and 
they grew up in the 70s, 80s, and he was writing an apology letter to his Black friend. Okay, I saw that one. You saw that one, right? To me, that was the most powerful one because this man, and unfortunately, this Black man had passed away in in the service, Um, but he wanted to write it anyway, because he wanted the message to be heard. And the message was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we treated you like our project. (laughs) You know, you grew up with us. You were the only black person. You were our project, but did we really love you? Because we wouldn't let you date any of our sisters or, you know, or anybody in the church. And this was, happened to be a Christian, and he was explaining honestly how he felt and how he realized what his biases were. Yep. And this is the kind of thing that I believe changes the world. You know, when it's an inner transformation, an inner eye-opening that says, oh, now I get it. You yep. know, now I get what the problem is. Because just showing things, I mean, I forget what his name is, Kyle Rittenhouse. What that boy did, okay, and how he was just let go should be obvious to anybody who's got eyes to see what the difference was, what the bias is. Yeah, but there's there's so much, like you said, there's so much of that. There's defensiveness. There's people are sick of hearing about it. There's there you know people are are latching on to when people do react and get angry. And while I believe that people have a right to get angry, and like you said, anger is not a sin. You, you can have righteous anger. But we're human, so sometimes that anger drives us to just, you know, we're fed up and we do something or say something, and people will take those things every time. So they'll see a situation like that with that with that young man, and they will say, well, he had a right to protect his neighbors. And then people will get into that, but they weren't his neighbors, he came from another. And people get, that. that's, people get into all of these little, because they don't want to talk about the actual issue, which is that anybody with eyes to see and anybody with a heart can see or should be able to acknowledge without without saying that they themselves are a bad person, without saying that yeah. they hate the police or saying whatever, because all of those things are just, to me, they're just ridiculous. They're just yes. over over generalizations and yes. it's just, it's not helpful. But without saying i hate this they can say that was wrong and that would not have happened had this kid been black no no a weapon he would have just i mean that's it and would have had 86 bullets and they probably would have put a little bit more just to make sure that he wasn't he was no longer a threat and that to me, so a, and, and this is what, this is one of those things. And then I'll, and then I'll, I'll get on to, to one of the other questions for you. But one of the things, and one of the things that, that we want people to understand through this podcast series is the, you know, the, 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 
the difference in the experiences that we have as mothers and then the similarities that we have as mothers and as mothers of, of black sons. And whenever one of these things happens, like George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery, because people people jump to the whole police thing. It's not yeah. it's not just it's not a police no. thing. It's a heart thing. And it is in the hearts of some people who are in law enforcement. It is in the heart of some people who aren't in law enforcement and just yes. jump into their pickup truck to go and hunt a Negro, which yeah. is basically what happened. So yeah. when you when you look at that and understanding that what we're, we're trying to do is reach reach hearts and reach the hearts of mothers. And even if they're not mothers, if they're fathers or they don't have kids or whatever, reaching people's hearts yeah. one heart at a time so they can hear it coming from us. When I think of, of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, any of these other things that we see and that the videos that I can't even watch. Yeah. And automatically I think of one of my, of my sons being that kid. I could never imagine my child who could be a part of a, you know, a, a down home militia that, you know, protects the countryside around here or whatever. I could never envision my son being the one walking down the street, lined with cops and tanks and everything else with a weapon. An AK-47. In plain sight. Yeah. Not being riddled with bullets. Yeah. I'm not saying that I want to imagine my child walking down the no, street. No, but you know it. But I'm saying that, so th this is what, we want people to understand. We want people to understand that when this happens, we see our child in that, not because he does this or he does that or whatever, but because of the color of his skin. Yeah. Now, put your child in the position of the person who's walking down the street with an AK-47 and you have very little to worry about. And that's what's not right. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, we are going to, we are going to go into more of our regularly scheduled questions, but I, I appreciate you for being flexible and letting me ask you other things. So when, and I know that, that, that you, having spent time in the States and having spent time in Canada and you, you have different experiences to, to bring to the table, although they're not as dissimilar as we would think. No. But when you were before you had children or even before, before you had Megan, what, how aware were you of the plight of black men in this world, specifically black men, not just black people? Uh, <clears throat> I was aware um, and mainly because that was around the time of Rodney King. When I did go to the U.S., uh, also aware of some of the discrepancies that were being shown at the time, but not really, basically covered up. Even if the story came out, you never heard about it again, you know, of the people who would have the same some in the same courtroom, the same thing and get different sentences. And the black person was usually the one that got, 
you know, 20 years, 25 years when the white person, uh, same crime, sometimes even worse record, got off with two years time served, whatever, you know, whatever leniency that could be given was given to, uh, to the white counterpart. However, I don't believe that I felt the same way that I feel now. Um, and, and mainly I believe it's because of um, the way, the technology that we have today. Because a lot of things were not seen, a lot of things were not recorded. And even though they were there, we weren't aware at the scale that we're aware today. Yeah, that's, uh, I always say that. I always say that, uh, like I'm about to say something profound and usually nothing profound comes out of it. <laughs> but you've known that about me for decades. So we're good there. Yeah. If you had, based on what you know now, to give your past self one piece of advice when it comes to raising black sons in this world what would that piece of advice be based on what you know now based on what i know now i would not cover up um, the microaggressions i wouldn't um, cover up the blatant um, racist acts because I believe that as black people in some instances we are also responsible because we stopped talking about it we stopped um, when people got shot Tamir Rice you know it was a outcry and then we stopped and yeah, the latest it, hashtag yeah and it and it only started building really with um i believe michael brown oh michael brown okay. yeah that they started being out there and speaking and protesting and um, that it really started becoming more of a movement and a lot of people really are trying to push Black Lives Matter to be a person um, for the main reason that they wanna do the same thing that they did with the people before, which was to kill them, <laughs> you know? Because, you know, it was easy with all um, those who had voices before to just go the FBI, I was thinking of the Black Panther uh, yeah, Black gentleman. Panther. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I forget his name, who was just shot down in his apartment. So whoever was the leader obviously became the target. Right. And the one thing the Black Lives Matter movement did is, is there is no one leader. However, <laughs> Yeah, the problem with the with that now though is that there are certain there are the the organization is not just about black lives mattering so yes. then that takes away 
from, and I'm not saying that the other things are not things that, you know, that they need to address or that they can have organizations to address those things. But that specific organization now is, it's not so much a, a person it's tied to, it's an ideology. Yeah. And it also gets tied into all the stuff with the people who are, with other people who are just, like we said before, literally out to make oh, yeah. anybody who thinks black lives are important look like they are a, th- a terrorist part of, you know, some group that goes around yes. causing trouble. Yeah. And I don't believe that they've done enough to distance themselves and yeah. they really should have uh, because they know how the media works. You know, I mean, everybody knows how the media works. Everybody knows and to have, and they do have websites that show the true, like there was a website that showed in Portland, how many peaceful nights that they had, you know, because they only showed in the media, the violence and everything else. But the point is your little website doesn't go to everybody. So not everybody sees it. And it's unfortunate that all these things are not mainstream and had they put some distance they might be might have been able to um to to basically look at what's what's real and as as a person now i follow um a group called civil righteousness um and basically they believe in prayer so prayer and changing things so they're partnering with partner partnering <laughs> with um, organizations that will help inner city areas and will help with um, education and different things. So they're doing a lot of tangible things, but it's it's based on the Bible and it's based on biblical justice. It's also based on the real ideology behind Martha and Luke. Luther King as yeah. a, as a preacher. Right. Yeah. And um, now people are going to have a problem with that because it's, it's a faith-based thing. And oh, of course, of course. So, but you know, being a faith-based person, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> no, it, 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 uh, it doesn't, well, it doesn't bother me because I know how, I know how I live out the teachings of, of, of my faith. And I also know that there are a lot of people who claim the same faith, who do not live them out the same way. So I get that people see that and they, they paint, you know, with the, the, the same brush, they paint all of us with the same brush. And I get that. And my only hope is that people would get to know me yeah. as a person and see how, how I live that out. Now, people don't always do that. Just like they see I'm a black woman, t- if, if that is something that bothers somebody, chances are they're not going to get to know me as a person unless, unless they have a conversation with me on the phone first, in which case they will not think that I'm a black woman. So they might get to know me and then they meet me. But okay, so we, so the advice that you, that, that you would give yourself, thank you for that. I am going to ask you the same thing again that I've asked the other moms, and that is your... 20 to 30 second elevator speech. If you are on an elevator with somebody and they say to you, Gilene, I, I see all these things, I hear all these things, and 
I don't have a, a, a I don't have any business talking about it. I'm I'm this white woman or I'm Latina or whatever. I don't know what it's like to be a black person or a black man. What can I possibly do to help? In 20 to 30 seconds on the elevator, what would you what would you say? What I would say is first I would educate myself and um, I would look at the history that has birthed everything that's happening right now, because that makes a difference. And I had to go do that. And I tell them that. And then I would look at my inner bias. Do I have any? And trust me, through this process, I had to do an inner search. And I found that I had some biases that I needed to put in check and to really work out for myself. So this is basically what I would tell them. And then I would tell them, you're not responsible for the world at large, but speak up when there's some injustice in front of you. And it's not necessarily person of color, but when there is a person of color, speak up because your voice as a white person speaks louder than another black person. Right. So that you can tell them you see, because for some reason for that white person that doesn't see, your voice may open their eyes, may not, but for the most part may open their eyes. Thank you for your, for being honest about that, about, about this and the, the, the soul searching, uncovering some biases that, that you held or hold. I, the same thing has happened to me during all of this. And in during these conversations with the, the other moms, I've, I've definitely, I've uncovered some things that I, I have to explore some more, some things that I have thought and some things, you know, some things that I've believed. So self, uh, that self inventory, soul searching is, is, if you do it, if you have the guts to do it, which I know a lot of people don't, but if you have the guts to do it, it is, it is, uh, it is life changing. So we're going to go to the speed round and i am going to ask you about certain things but i'm going to ask them some of them i might ask you a little differently because of who you are and because and this is something that we didn't we didn't go in with this but your children are actually mixed race yes and so your children for example your eldest is i mean she was she was born with she had like blonde hair yes she blue eyes eyes and but she's you know she's the daughter of a black woman and a white man so it's and in our family as you know and and i've talked about this before there is so much diversity so much variation so many shades many shades so you could have married a white dude and ended up having a kid my shade or darker because there's so much variation in our family so but i know that the experience might be a little different because you also have to deal with a little something extra which is the whole oh no they went and mixed races so i don't know if that comes into play in any of this so 
So the first one that, that uh, so when you hear people say, so when you say, or you hear somebody say black lives matter, and even if they're not saying black lives matter, because I know that that triggers some people and they link it to the organization, but when they're indicating that they believe that black life is important and they say all lives matter, what's your quick reaction to that? You don't understand what's going on. That's my quick reaction. They just don't. That's good. So when you and I have, I've, again, these things that I, that I ask people are things that I've either had people say to me, or I've seen people write, mostly people have said them to me, or I've heard them like this one on the radio, which is more black people die as a result of abortion than at the hands of police. Don't those lives matter? Um, aborted lives matter to everybody. Uh, but the number is the same even for whites. So my question would be, what's the point? What is the point you're trying to make? Because um, I, and, and for the most part, those people have never even cared about black babies being ad adopted, uh, aborted before. Why is it an issue now? Why do you care now would be my response. All right, that is a good response. The, the, the idea that it's, like you said, and our interviewee this week, the interview that, that uh, premiered this week on Tuesday with, with uh, Nicolette, she said that, she said, what's your point? Not because those babies don't matter, but what is your point in this conversation bringing this thing up? Yeah, yeah. You have a point. What is it? And I feel like if people had to dig deep, not just explain it on the surface, but really get into why are you really saying that? Yeah. They might actually, if they were honest with themselves, realize, oh, I just said that out loud. Yeah. Oh gosh, I think that. Because I, I know that a lot of people don't realize what they really think deep down inside about this stuff yeah, so yeah and this is the same hang on i just have to say this before uh this is the same issue with people now who post uh black kids that are being shot in crossfire yeah and then are saying doesn't this life matter and i remember looking at one on some friends posts and i remember thinking that must be the only picture of a black person I've ever seen on their profile. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So to prove oh, a no. point, they actually proved their a point. rule yeah. and posted a black person. Yes. Wow. And, and did you, I mean, kids have been killed in ghettos, which are set up by systemic racism for years i've never seen that on your profile but it's there now yeah or the or the fact that that pe that kind of crime usually occurs within the person's community yeah so if you have a if you have a community that's predominantly black the crime is probably going to mostly be committed by black people likewise if you have a community that's you know that's predominantly white you'll see a lot more crime from white people. So it's, 
people don't but that's that that thing about the Facebook profile that that is so sad though because if somebody can actually yeah. out on and that, again that's never posted anything with a black person before that's that's pretty terrible actually and we're laughing but that's that's I know, but, but again, that's a repost, right? They reposted from somebody else's profile because it, it actually agreed with their bias. Yeah. It agreed with their rhetoric. Yep. And then they posted it, not even realizing, Hey, what am I doing? I've never posted anything about black people. Yeah. <laughs> and know? it's, and it's the, the thing that bothers me. And I will say it again. The thing that bothers me about that, about posting things that, or just agreeing with things that that prove your point or you think proves your point is that when everybody is doing that, nobody's actually having a conversation. Yes. I don't expect all of my friends to agree with me, but it, as a matter of fact, I don't want to just be friends with people who agree with me, except on certain things. I mean, th there are certain things that, that are just, basic to me that if you don't value the sanctity of life or yeah humanity humanity yeah so but but i don't want i, I like to have discussions you know you've known me forever i will yeah. throw in a a comment whether i believe it or not just to make the conversation more spicy kind of like my brother does mm -hmm. but i don't want just to be surrounded but people that's what they want they go to social media because they want to get everybody to to like what they're saying and everybody has to agree with them and if they don't they're idiots and this is every on every yeah. side of everything yeah. everybody's an idiot who doesn't agree and yeah. that's ridiculous okay let's go to our next speed round question it's not turning into much of a speed round but, <laughs> but the women in this family can talk so we're gonna have to be very, sorry very efficient. no it's not obviously it's not just you so if so when somebody says to you that racism racism doesn't really exist anymore and it wouldn't be such a big deal it wouldn't be an issue if black people didn't keep bringing it up what's your first reaction to that my first reaction would be that racism is where it is because black people haven't brought it up for a very long time and sometimes not in the right way. And which is why I continue to put the stories, even though that I know that some of the friends that I have are probably very tired of it. But if they're tired, my understanding is they're probably not understanding yet. Right. However, I've had some really good discussions and that would be my answer. It's because we've just let it happen, unfortunately, but it's always been there. Yeah. Okay. And how about this one? I don't see color. Then you need your eyes checked. That's my answer. <laughs> Unless you are, what is it? Green, wait, green, red, green, red colorblind, I think. Yes. Men who are, and it's, I think it's green and red that they can't see. But, and, and it's not that, 
it's not that we don't understand why people say that people say that because they're they're and, and I've had I had people say that to me when I was since I was little that mm-hmm. see you as black I just see you as my friend and the sad thing one of the one of the interviews that's coming up that will air before yours does but it's it's a a friend of mine she's a pastor and a pastor's wife and she says she, she talks in her interview about how it's a shame if you honestly try to not see color in terms of seeing black or white or different shades or whatever because you miss out on god's creation that way because he created us and we all have have some unique traits and we have differences and we have and that's all that's all in his image and it's all for a reason so the the fact when you say you're, you're trying to overlook an entire thing about me i mean you shouldn't judge me based on my color but you shouldn't not see it because the other thing is that that implies that you're giving me a pass you're giving me a pass because being black is not the thing so i'm going to choose not to notice that you're not black oh, yeah best. yeah yeah and and that's that's also very very um insulting in a way yeah because you know we've all had it you don't talk like a black person you don't you know you don't oh i love this one you don't look haitian and (laughs) i have to admit though growing up we would drive what does haitian look like i just you you know know what haitian looks like I'm oh my gosh. Joking. But we talk about that amongst ourselves. But um, but yeah, people will say that. I, I don't, you know, you don't, you don't look Haitian. You don't sound, you don't act, yeah. Haitian, you don't dress yeah. the way you, you, you don't. Yeah. I love this one. You don't have black hair. You don't have <laughs> black hair. And some of us have been jealous of you. And I'm saying this and there are going to be people listening and they're going to be like, girl, why can't you embrace your nat- natural hair? I am embracing my natural hair hair i'm just saying that sometimes it's easier to be able to step out of the shower and come you know whatever maybe blow dry it for two seconds and i don't know who you're talking about (laughs) but i know your sister who is also going to be interviewed for this podcast vivian has her hair but it's it's not even because her hair is straight and whatever it's just so just full and just you know, lush. It's not a straight hair thing. It's not a whatever, but, but, um, yeah, there's the thing you don't have black hair or can I touch your hair? Yeah. Oh, well that always, always, which is is so insulting. What am I a chia pet? No, no, you can't touch my hair. And the sad thing is that back in, I believe it was the early 20th century, late 19th century, they still had, they still had carnivals with black children, African children as exhibits. So in a cage and I've seen some of these, I've seen, you know, obviously early days pictures of, of some of these and you know, it's, actually left me speechless and so the idea that i'm not you know i'm not some i'm not some exhibit or something but we can talk about that another time yeah so so 
the I have to regroup. So, and, and I don't know how different it is in Canada. So I, I want to hear from you. Obviously you heard some of the things that we're talking about, but in Canada specifically right now, what is, what is the situation with this? What are people saying? How aware are they? So I always said that um, Canada had racism, but it was under uh, the radar. So, and, and I always used to joke that sometimes I preferred the States because it's easier to know who hates you <laughs> than, than not to know who hates yeah, you. you see them coming. Yeah, especially in the workforce, right? Um, so, Canada has always been racist. Um, and like I said, it's a, it's an underlying thing. Uh, Canada had slavery, um, of course, probably abolished a little sooner than the States, but still not that far off. Um, I, in my research for the, the history of the United States and some of the things that I've watched, you know, the Tulsa massacre and all the stuff, with that came up a whole bunch of them for um, Canada also. Really? Um, yes, they had their own massacre in Nova Scotia that is very near. So, so Canada is not, you know, blank, we're good. And not to mention all the in indigenous um, horrific things that have happened. So they have their own, right? I grew up in Quebec, which is a different, uh, different from the rest of Canada. Um, and they purposely want to be different from the rest of Canada. They actually don't want to be a part of Canada. <laughs> exactly. And they, they've tried and they're still a part of Canada, but it's, it was very, very interesting to be the only black people and and Quebecers um, as a whole, some of them are not racist, and the ones that are is so funny because they want you to assimilate, you know, and and be like them. Right. And they're they're like that gentleman, you know. I'll never marry you or or agree for you to marry any of my family, but you know. Um, I do want you to assimilate and talk the way we do. And, you know, uh, when we spoke French, you know, we weren't allowed to speak broken French like the Quebecers did and everything. We only did it in school because my parents didn't know. But yeah. Well, I don't know because I heard you guys do it sometimes. But, yeah, you spoke Parisian French and then... You at home and then we would speak, yeah, joie when we went with our friends. But the... The racism was there. I had one lady tell me that um, that she was uh, the the expression in French is uh, Québécois pure laine. Oh my so, gosh! Like, yes. pure, like dyed in the wool. Yeah, dyed in the wool Quebecer. Uh huh. But you know, I was insulted that yeah. you know we were having a nice conversation, and then she brings this out to highlight the fact that I'm an immigrant, you know, yeah. and a person of color, and 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 she somehow has more value, you know, because she's um. So so that was you know again how we grew up and and 
all the the little things. And I think the worst ones, though, are the microaggressions at work. Because Canada, I remember telling a boss when I went into a management meeting, I said to her, there's not a lot of black representation here in the manager's meeting. She looked at me like I had three heads. Like, why is that an issue? You know, that, I mean, she didn't say that, but you could tell. That was her thing was. Well, sorry, was that in the States or in Canada? No, in Canada. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about Canada. She, she just didn't even, it didn't dawn on her that that was, that was something that should be important. <laughs> that, that there's some type, because I said, we have a lot of Black people. To me, don't tell me that none of them are qualified, you know. Um, either there's a problem with your training, period, or, you know, for managers or something's going on, right? And so, and then at another job, it was the thing of, again, the microaggression that as a Black person, you can't be passionate about anything. Because then you're a bitter, angry Yes, then you're a Black, angry woman. Yes. But if a white person is sometimes even insulting and passionate, oh, they were just, they were just passionate about the issue. You know, nothing is ever recognized that it's it's actually crossing the line. You know, they were just, but you can just be excited about what Oh, she froze, not me. Okay, I th- I was <laughs> I was like, what happened? I was so interested. <laughs> she froze. I thought it was me. I'm sitting here. I'm like, mm, let me okay. sit very still. I think we got her back. I think we got her back. Yeah, you froze. Um, so you were saying, uh, so you were saying that it's okay for other people to be passionate, but not people of color. Cause I noticed that, that with, yeah. with my, with my Hispanic and Latina sisters, some of that happens too. Like if, if yes. one of my friends gets, you know, and you know, like coming from the islands, whatever we all, you know, you're in a house with your family and you guys are agreeing on everything. And it sounds like you're, yelling at each other and pissed off yeah. so but i i've seen the same the thing loud family yeah with my with my uh, hispanic latina friends the same thing if there's that passion it's whoa you need to slow down and lower your voice it's not the same you're uh you're an angry black woman but it's you're a little too passionate but when other yes. people who are not black or brown are passionate, then it's not taken it. And I think part of that has to do with the, with the, that whole idea that there's a threat. And, and that is something that is ingrained through, from generation mm-hmm. to generation to generation. Nobody's born thinking I'm scared of black people, but your parents' yeah. experiences will, will, will color yours, their parents' experiences color theirs, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting to me though. It, it's, well, I, I knew this, but it is, it is, it has always been interesting to me that 
the, the, the similarities between the US and Canada, although there are days when I, I, I sent your brother a message on WhatsApp a while back and I said, hey, how hard is it to get dual citizenship? <laughs> And I'm not saying that I don't, because uh, I could just hear somebody saying, well, you don't want to be here, then leave. And that's not what I'm saying. So stop it. Get over yourself. Oh, I know. I know. Whoever's I thinking know. that, exactly. get over yourself. Yes. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. I, but even, even. Go ahead. Are you there? Can no, you I was going to say, even as somebody who's spent, yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I was going to say that even when I, uh, I've been in the States for over 15 years, I really wanted to go back, you know, to retire. Um, after all of this, I'm questioning that, whether it's really what I want to do. Yeah. Even though I do have a love, yeah, I do have a love for the U.S., but I'm I'm seriously questioning that. Yeah. Especially with my sons, right? I um just not up for it. So, all right, uh, I am going to ask Carla to come back and see if Carla, if you have. Any questions or if I missed anything? Yes. First of all, I do want to say I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I thought I, I thought I had it on mute. I had some technical difficulties, so I had to switch computers. So I'm sorry about that. However, I do want to. I, I'm very my. You piqued my interest. I absolutely lo love the story, but the part that I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I want to know more about that. Is like. Florence said the reason why we um, started this podcast and this initiative in general was because we were having a lot of co different conversations and a lot of the people that we know that go to our church, well, I don't, it's complicated, but at that point in time, <laughs> um, that would go to our church would say some things that was like, what? Like, how is this okay? This is oh my gosh, like why, if I had to see one more post, like they, they, it's not like they understood. So when you said that you were meeting in its smaller groups um, and, and, and that was a topic, um, I'm really curious, like, were they all open ears? Were there people that was like, you know what? Yeah, I do really do need to do some soul searching. Um, tell me, how was that experience? And Goodness, give us some tips to, to replicate. Well, uh, what we did, it's, it's a mentoring circle. It's called Mentor Circle. Mm -hmm. And we do different topics. The first topic was fear. And, um, and of course, in a spiritual basis, mm -hmm. how to deal with fear and everything. And the second was the racial injustice. So basically, we, there was people of color pretty much in, in most groups. But it was a discussion of what's going on and, and how people are feeling. And so it was, I believe if all the groups from when we got back into the bigger group, that it was very beneficial for everybody. Mm. And I think it gave everybody something to think about, you know, 
something to talk about. Like in my group, basically what I explained to them is, is was I, what I talked to before is, is when you see it. So the two things that came out of my group was education, like mm -hmm. Florence was saying, because some of these are mothers with young children or, or even teenagers. It's have the discussion with them, you know, have the conversation to find out if any of your biases went to your children and, and how can you help them make a better world? You know, how can you help them understand these things and make a better world? And the more we educate our children, because it's not the children that are the cause, <laughs> the children come out loving each other. Um, it's the parents that teach them to hate. So, um, or to think that there's some kind of difference or super, su superiority or whatever, right? So that is one thing. And then the next thing is speaking up. So two things, two examples that I gave them. So I have a doctor friend who lives in a very nice neighborhood and he had been stopped many times in his own neighborhood, once even in his own driveway by the police for no reason. And this is Canada. We're talking about Canada, okay? Stopped in front, this is his house, but he was being stopped because, you know, he was driving while black. And so he was telling the story to his neighbor because his neighbor, of course, has never been stopped in his own nice neighborhood. <laughs> you know, where he purchased his home, just like this gentleman, you know, when, when you do something, you've worked so hard for what you have, people don't understand. It's such an insult to be stopped, to be asked, what are you doing there? What kind of question is that? The question in itself is never warranted. Even if you're being stopped for a traffic light or whatever, it is never warranted. This is a free country. This is a free world, you know? So what made the difference was one time he was stopped closer to his home. His neighbor came out of his house and asked the cop what he was doing and why his neighbor was being harassed all the time and stopped all the time. What's the problem? And that made a huge difference. He said, do I have, I mean, who's your lieutenant? Do I have to call him? I mean, do I have to go there? Because this is my neighbor. He bought this house. He worked for this house. Why is every time he's coming home, you guys have to bug? Well, well, I'm not, you know, very defensive. I'm not bugging him, uh, you know, and he made up this reason for stopping him. But you know what? He wasn't being stopped after that. It makes a difference when you stand up. The other one was something that happened to me. I was in a store and I was being followed. And I knew they were following me. And I turned around and I, I don't hide, you know? So I turned around and I looked at her and I said, why are you following me? What do you need? And she says, well, I'm not following you. I'm, you know, she's pretending. And there was a lady standing there and she actually spoke up. She goes, you are following her. 
that in itself made such a big difference. She didn't even have to say much. She said, yeah, I'm, I was watching you. You're following her. <laughs> That's all it took. And this is what I'm talking about. It's your circle and in, impact your circle. You know, as a person, a white person, impact your circle. And one thing that I told them is, you know, all these stupid posts that people put, I'm white, I don't have to apologize for any, who asked you to apologize? I'm asking you to be human and to respect people, that's all. You know, enough of, of the stupid posts. You know, there are a whole bunch of people that I had respect for that I'm watching their posts and I'm going, oh my God, dear Lord, help us. What, what are we, what kind of world are we in, you know? where people are more concerned about their posts and their blue lives and their, and, and these are people that didn't even post about cops before this thing even started. But now all of a sudden they're posting and the hypocrisy is just oozing out of Facebook. <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? It's just oozing. It kills me, you know? Jilene. Yes. Uh, our time is running short, but tell me how you really feel. <laughs> wow, thank you, Jilin. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And again, by us, I don't mean I am the Queen of England. I mean us, <laughs> as in me, the team, and all of our many, many listeners. And I just want to remind everybody to follow, like, subscribe. And Jilene, I have a feeling that we're going to get some great feedback on this episode. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Through Their Mother's Eyes is a series of conversations with mothers who share their hearts and experiences raising black sons who, because of the color of their skin, are often feared, hated, and not valued as human beings.